gospel reading for this evening is from the God, is from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter twenty-one, verses thirty-three through forty-six. Listen to another parable. There was a landowner who planted a vineyard, put a fence around it, dug a wine press in it, and built a watchtower. Then he leased it to tenants and went to another country. When the harvest time had come, he sent his slaves to the tenants to collect his produce. But the tenants seized his slaves and beat one, killed another, and stoned another. Again, he sent other slaves, more than the first, and they treated them in the same way. Finally, he sent his son to them, saying, they will respect my son. But when the tenants saw the son, they said to themselves, this is the heir. Come, let us kill him and get his inheritance. So they seized him, threw him out of the vineyard, and killed him. Now when the owner of the vineyard comes, what will he do to those tenants? They said to him, he will put those wretches to a miserable death and lease the vineyard to other tenants who will give him the produce at the harvest time. Jesus said to them, have you never read in the scriptures the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. This was the Lord's doing, and it is amazing in our eyes. Therefore, I tell you, the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a people that produces the fruits of the kingdom. The one who falls on this stone will be broken to pieces, and it will crush anyone on whom it falls. When the chief priests and the Pharisees heard his parables, they realized that he was speaking about them. They wanted to arrest him, but they feared the crowds because they regarded him as a prophet. The word of the Lord. The whole reason he was up here was so that he could stop thinking. He just wanted to stop thinking, to stop thinking about it, to stop replaying it in his mind and thinking of all the things that he could have said, creating a new, stronger version of himself that would be there in that moment, a cooler, stronger version of himself that would not have been afraid, not have been so scared, a version of himself that would have said something like calmly and coolly, not cold, but would have said something maybe even a little amused, something that would have disarmed them, given them pause, or made them think, we should not mess with this guy. He looks like he's capable of anything. But here he was, three quarters of the way up the rock face. He didn't want to look down pressed his cheek against the rock. The fingers on his right hand jammed into a crack, his left hand gripping this little protrusion of rock, and his legs, somehow he'd gotten them spread out way too far to give him any ability to push himself up, to find another hold. He couldn't even see any place else to put his hands or his feet. He couldn't move up, he couldn't move back down. He was stuck. He knew that if his strength gave out, that he would fall. 
die for sure. There was nothing but rock below him. There would be no soft landing. He was in real trouble, peril, life and death, impending peril of the existential kind. He wasn't sure how much longer he could hold on. Yet the thing, the thing that kept running through his mind, through his whole body, was that burning humiliation, that hard, dark feeling of injustice, what they had done to him, how they had treated him. He hadn't been doing anything, just walking down the street. He was just walking down the street. He couldn't stop thinking of what they'd done, thinking of maybe what he could do to them in some kind of fantasy chance encounter that he would be prepared for. Still, a week after it happened, he couldn't let it go. He had decided to take the solo trip, to just go into the woods and be. Just like be, you know, not in his head or in the past, but be present in his body and nature. And he hadn't planned on rock climbing. He thought he would fish and cook his food and hike and identify the sounds of the wild around him. He would let go and let the grace of the wild wash over him, hold him. He hadn't even set up camp. He thought it'd be good to go for a quick hike first. Just begin to clear his mind, to start letting go, to start letting things go. But things followed him through the woods. And when he saw the rock wall, he thought, I can climb that. Change your perspective, change your perspective. A little free solo. It didn't look too hard, but maybe just hard enough to get him out of his head to ground himself in his body. Even as he started to climb, as he started to feel it in his thighs and his forearms, his mind kept going back. Not just to that incident, but there on the side of the rock, to so many other wrongs, injustices, not just the ones that happened to him, big ones like Wall Street bankers, insurance companies profiting off victims of natural disasters like those Hawaii fires. In Puerto Rico, they still probably don't have power or water or something. But also, mostly, to the ones that happened to him. That guy who cut him off on the freeway, who came out of nowhere, he could have died. He felt his left heel slipping. He twisted it into the rock harder. If ever someone could be in the moment to let the wrongs go, to give them up and be here now, now would be the time. He heard thunder far off. The sky was darkening. If he didn't do something, get to the top or get back to the bottom, the rain would come and it'd wash him off the rock. Matthew's on a rampage, or Matthew's Jesus is on a rampage. I mean, the next two weeks, these texts, these parables, they're filled with murder and miserable death. 
the burning of cities, the outer darkness, and of course the weeping and gnashing of teeth. That's all in here. Those those classics of uh, of uh, hate and righteous violence. We get them all. And all this to me seems a little over the top. Matthew, it's clear, really like dislikes the chief priest. His Jesus, in this whole time, he's talking to these chief priests. These parables we get from Matthew in the waning weeks of ordinary time are aimed at these chief priests and all the religious leaders of Israel. And it's hard to feel right about them in our context presently. Like, Jesus, I don't think that's okay to say anymore. No, I want to find a way to interpret these readings in a way that deconstruct all the violent imagery and that they don't, one, a way that doesn't scapegoat one religious or ethnic group so hard. But Matthew leaves very little room to generalize this or very little room for any kind of recontextualizing interpretations. Matthew's Jesus is aimed at the chief priests. He says, this parable means that the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to another people. Now, I was taught in the seminary that that is not okay to say. The supersessionist idea seemed like it went out of style a long time ago. Or it's still always here and underlying everything. So to make this point sure, this point, so nobody misses it, Jesus then goes, Matthew then goes on to write, when the chief priests and Pharisees heard this parable, they realized that Jesus was speaking about them that they were the ones that were going to suffer this miserable death. That God's blessing and covenant and the kingdom of God would be taken away from these Jewish leaders and given to the Gentiles. Okay, I get it. You know, in Matthew's story world, the Jewish religious leaders are the bad guys. It's just true. And I'm sure maybe as a tax collector... Matthew had been treated badly by them, treated as a sinner, a pariah, so he was probably a little bitter, and it maybe came out in his writing. He had some baggage. But this seems to push way beyond even the the parable-type justice and righteous violence. It's just not necessary. Here, all this violence, murder, death in these parables, they're just so easily misread as a thinly disguised accusation of this, that God sent Jesus to the keys, the, the Jesus, the keys, the keepers of the covenant, the chief priests. And those chief priests, those keepers of God covenants, killed God's son. So God is going to come back and take away the covenant from them and put them all to a miserable death and give the covenant to the Gentiles. That makes me feel uncomfortable. It's clear that Matthew thinks the religious leaders and their system of being are 
being overthrown. I get that. That's in there. And maybe I should just focus on that and not the violence. I mean, that I can preach. People in power, systems are overthrown by a display of mercy and radical weakness. I like that. What I can't preach is this violent judgment. I can't preach that in the end, this God or this landowner will come and put those tenants, those Jewish leaders to a miserable death. Because that's not what the whole story says when you look at the whole thing. God doesn't answer the murder of his son with miserable death for its perpetrators. That's not how the story goes. No, instead, God uses the murder of his son as the means for reconciliation of all God's people. Jews, leaders, Gentiles, everyone. I'm going to skip ahead because I don't know. I don't want to keep uh, talking about that. I want to talk about this part because it's um, it's not as clear as everything else, and that's where I feel comfortable. Jesus says when he thinks they've all had this revelation and truly understand what this parable means. Jesus says the building block that's rejected by the builders, that actually becomes the cornerstone. And the one who falls on this stone will be broken into pieces, and it will crush anyone on whom it falls. The one who falls on this stone will be broken into pieces, and it will crush anyone on whom it falls. Why does that sound like hope to me? Why does that sound like the beginning of something to me? The one who falls on this stone will be broken into pieces, and it will crush anyone on whom it falls. Yeah. That guy on the freeway, it burned him up. When he thought about it, he felt the same dark, almost burning in his arms and a, a hardness in his chest, a, a squeezing, a constricting. And like with those guys, he hadn't done anything. He was just driving. He slowed down by the traffic, like the traffic, like everyone else. He's not going any slower. He slowed down by everybody else, by the traffic. And this guy is behind him honking, like what is he supposed to do? What does he even want him to do? He's just honking, riding his tail. And then this guy, he pulls out on the shoulder and sped up and went past him. And all of a sudden, he cuts in front of him. And he hits his brakes. So he had to hit his brakes hard, too. And he was surprised. And of course, an entire cup of coffee comes out of the cup holder all over him, his pants, everything. And it's hot still.
could burn him. He could feel his arms and his legs getting out, giving out. And he could feel on his stomach and his thighs where the coffee burned him. He wondered why this guy thought he could take precedence, like his needs, wherever he had to be, took precedence over anyone else's. Why all these assholes everywhere who did these things to him, what did they think? So he had to make this sacrifice, get burned, get spilled, because he, this other guy was in a hurry. He had to, whatever these guys, what, what made them think they could do that to him? He felt a drop of rain on his forehead. And then another. His feet were slipping further apart. He was almost doing the splits, hanging mostly from the fingers of his right hand. The rain came down steady, and now he was in real trouble. The ground below him, solid rock. He thought of his head hitting the sidewalk with the other two of them shoving him back. When he, and when he tripped, he could not let go, let go of this. Even now, he realized that he probably it burned him up. Even now, he couldn't give up the thought of somehow tracking them down and, and doing something to them to make them feel what he'd felt or maybe like see them arrested, or maybe would have to go make a police report, or they would know the guys, or somehow. He thought if he could just get out in the wild, he could take away that dark, that burning, could that constriction, the humiliation, the hurt and the anger, and just give him his mind back or something. He wanted some kind of justice, some kind of justice that made sense to him in his mind or The water was coming down the rock face now. Running down around his right hand and his left hand where it was jammed into the hold. And he thought that maybe in this moment he could actually let go. He could let go of all these things. He could let go. He could feel his body and his mind relaxing. And he felt a smile and an involuntary sort of peace spreading over his body. His foot slipped. He leaned back.
he hit the stone at the bottom and it was something like an electric shock going through his body. He lay there unable to move, broken. Thank you.